where the mysteries of Gravity Falls creep into the non-animated world. This is Giffany in the Gravity Bros Podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Alec, uh, this is my brother Lou, and that was Giffany, our favorite villain from the most recent Gravity Falls episode that we'll be talking about today. Uh, Lou, I know that you've been known to immerse yourself in a video game. Have you ever seen anything like this in your days? Oh yeah, 100%. Wow! Oh yeah, uh, I have stories. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, like, not in real life, but I've seen I've seen this concept tackled in fiction certainly before, and it's very fun. I really like it. Yeah, actually, isn't there a video game? Uh, the Doki Doki Literature Club. Okay, please tell me about this because I re- want to remember, and maybe I'll Google it whether it came before or after Gravity Falls aired. I know that this came up in a stream that we did recently. It did come after, but there were other dating simulators, and I imagine other horror, like, spinoff-based, like, dating sims before then as well. Because um, anime dating simulators have been around for a while. But, uh, yeah, the Doki Doki Literature Club is just one where, uh, as you play through the the dating sim a few times, you'll notice one of the girls like starts coming to life and gaining sentience and starts like killing off other characters in the game and then starts like glitching out the game and gaining control. Honestly, it's pretty much just like this episode. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've heard it's great. And uh, yeah. for those of you, I, I think that a lot of people listen to the podcast and they're, they're not caught up on uh, the episodes themselves. Like they're not watching along necessarily. So this is of course the Gravity Falls episode where Seuss becomes romantically interested in a video game character. Uh, And I think it's probably one of the more popular, memorable episodes of the show. When we were on Twitch doing a Gravity Falls monster tier list, everybody went wild when Giffany came up. Like, this is the top tier. We love Giffany. Yeah, and honestly, like, this episode is so good for so many reasons and i cannot wait to talk about it because mine i was like my my wrist hurt from taking notes on this one yeah i took a lot of notes too um so so let's get right into it (laughs) we start the episode with mabel getting her braces caught in a screen door and seuss saving the day classic seuss a classic and We sort of are just teased with this idea of Seuss is extremely helpful. He likes to fix things around the mystery shack. And when he leaves, they all kind of sit there and wonder, I wonder what Seuss does when he's not in the shack. Uh, Which is where we get a flash forward over to Seuss's home, where he plays video games next to his grandma. Uh, Yeah, which is a really sweet scene. I really like seeing Seuss's family. And then we also get one of probably the funniest lines I've ever heard in the show. I guess I say that a lot because there are a lot of funny lines, but you know the one I'm talking about? Oh, definitely. (laughs) And it's because uh, Seuss's grandma or abuela uh, gives him an engagement party invitation from his cousin Reggie, who is literally just him with rock star hair. And I would say a poor man, Seuss. Seuss might be jealous of this guy, but I think Seuss is the superior and really the, i yeah sure we no, love seuss no, no. this the, guy's an abandoned getting married i mean we don't know what his life is like everyone has problems yeah i guess so i just i love seuss so much i've had a chance to get to know seuss and reggie is just a face that's to me a, that's a good point i do love seuss but abuela says that she wants seuss to get settled before she goes to heaven and seuss kind of replies 
oh, to be with grandpa. And yeah. she, she just goes, no, he's not there. With like the shiftiest eyes. Yeah, I had, so, there was so much and yet so little in that scene. And it made it like perfect. Like almost like question, like, did you kill him? Like that, that was almost what I was wondering. Well, but then, I don't know if that would quite make sense, because then who would really be going to hell in her eyes? She at least has the illusion that she's going to heaven, which Unless could be... Unless had a good reason. Hmm. Or... Yeah, sometimes you got a good reason. I, I think it's more along the lines of, A, he cheated, not gonna miss that guy, have fun in hell, or B... Uh, I killed him. Oh, no. He, no, he's uh, spicy, he's saucy. Uh, you know, and it was Uh-oh. more of a, an innuendo type situation. Oh, like, oh, there's no way he went to heaven that naughty Yeah, guy. yeah, exactly. No, nah, because then she wouldn't have gone either. Hmm. I guess that's a fa- Yeah, you know, I feel like maybe it, th- this is the best working theory we have right now, that uh, Susan's I grandfather thought... committed some kind of crime or unholy act. And I think that in a response, Abuela did the same. Hmm, but then she would go to hell too. Nah, nah. That's not true. I'd be curious to know uh, what Abuela classifies as heaven versus hell. Like, what are the things... If we could just get a book on that, Alex Hirsch, then we might be able to have better speculation about what might have been done here. Yeah, can you please outline the scope of Christianity in the Gravity Falls universe, please? Yeah, actually, could you write a Bible that, I don't know, becomes really popular and maybe gets mistranslated for a long time until we don't really know what happened with it? Better yet, could you create one that Bill Cipher edited? That would be so funny. Oh, that's interesting. That would be funny. Well, regardless of that wild tangent that we just got on, uh... Seuss feels like, oh shoot, I need a date for Reggie's engagement, and I'm good at fixing things and video games, so I can get a date in a week, he says, sort of sadly, as he realizes, no, I'm Seuss. Very unconfidently, yeah. Getting a date in a week is also a pretty rough thing to try to do, in my opinion. You know? Well, sorry, I just totally hit the microphone. I might leave that in if it doesn't sound terrible just because of the humor. Did, did that oh sound God. just horrible on your end? It didn't sound that bad. Almost sounded okay. like you like hit a guitar. Oh, so maybe it's a musical. I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> well, after we get through this lovely intro, uh, we see Stan terrifying a child in the mystery uh, shack gift shop and trying to sell him on this really gross, despicable old machine from the history of the shack that he calls so Old creepy. Goldie. So creepy. You want to try and to describe this the best way that you can? Um, yeah, like a tooth-mangled miner drinking moonshine on a monday almost mcgucket vibes to be honest actually yeah that's true which it doesn't quite look like him but it's the same energy it's true it is the same energy that's pretty funny it was a pretty creepy looking thing though i didn't even like it didn't even occur to me that this was a developing like like c plot until like halfway through the episode too like we'll get to that might be 
generous. It was very weird, actually. <laughs> Snake plot might be generous. I know, but like that's what I mean. Like I forgot that this was even being balanced, and then I'm like, oh yeah, there's this whole creepy gold statue guy at the beginning. What the. F yeah, and there are maybe some plot implications when it's all said and done, but barely. Yeah, not it's, really. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that it really was just, like, pure comedy. And I didn't mind, because the rest of the plot was just rich. Uh, totally. Or I should say, the rest of the story was rich with plot. So, yeah, Stan freaks this kid out, traumatizes him for life as he's trying Excellent. to put a nickel in and, like, its eyes bleed black uh, liquid yeah. or something super gross. Uh, and Wendy says it's time to throw that thing out because its face reminds everyone of the inevitability of death. What a line. We Great are like <laughs> three minutes into the episode and two just killer one-liners that I did not forget. You know, I've been noticing that as a trend in Wendy's writing actually for season two is that she has been given a lot of lines that are just good, you know? Yeah, that's true. Uh, especially because we're not getting that much of her as a character. When she does show up, it's memorable. Yeah, yeah, I've been noticing that, for real. So, Stan tells Wendy, Nah, he's a classic! I love old Goldie! And then it literally just bites him as he shouts, Kill it! Uh, and eventually, I think, decides, Alright, maybe it's time to retire this thing. Which was so funny! It was so funny! It was really so funny. much amazing humor in this episode. So much amazing everything. Uh, I, yeah. I think that as we talk it through, I'm gonna have even more appreciation than I did as I was watching. Uh, so, but meanwhile, we're back to the real plot of the episode. Seuss kind of trying to flirt. Uh, and honestly, bad practice to flirt with customers while you are working in a shop. First problem. True. First, first problem. Yo, I, I will say, I was like watching this and like half being like, yo, some of these are terrible. Like, Seuss, you should just like, maybe not. Like, the dating sim was a good idea. Let's be honest. It kind of was. I think Dipper and Maple maybe steered him in the right direction because we'll get to some of the worst ones. Uh, let's, but let's in this, if, if if you didn't get a chance to to fail at this in middle school, you know, in, yeah, in I, that's adult, an interesting point. In your, you don't, you do not like the laws are different for you. You don't get to play around and learn the way that you were supposed to when you were younger. You need to figure out a different way. I mean that. <laughs> I think you're totally right because now you you are in like legitimate creeper territory. Um, yeah, now if you don't know how to socialize, well, and you know, not just that, but if making people uncomfortable has way like worse ramifications because it, people don't have the perspective of, oh, we were all kids learning how to be alive. It's like, no, you're an adult and you're responsible for your actions kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, really good point. In this specific case, he is kind of hiding in this uh, realm of this ring of shirts in the shop uh, and yeah. uh, just talks to a woman and says, your face is good. I'm Seuss. She screams. Uh, Dipper watches this from afar. He's like, Hmm, hey buddy, that, I, I'm Dipper, and that was pretty rough. I, I'm Dipper. <laughs> At least that's oh, what I I'm picture that he's that. probably thinking. That's fair. <laughs> uh, it, so, Seuss tells Dipper, like, I, you know, I think I was flirting, but I don't really know how. He puts an out-of-order sign on himself, which I thought was a really sad way to, uh, explain his thoughts from the writers and his feelings. That's pretty good. That's it pretty was good. Fun. 
but as this starts to develop, the whole shack, Wendy, Stan, Mabel, they're all kind of starting to hear what's going on. He's saying that he needs to get a date in a week. Uh, Mabel is so ready to help. She was like, made for this. Uh, and Stan just oh, yeah. goes. I even wrote down, I even wrote down, Mabel pops out and screams, did someone say flirt? And I'm yeah, like, she, oh my she's God. She's so Mabel. ready. You are so ready. Yeah, she's nothing if not herself. Uh, and Grunkle, St- to be fair, all of them are themselves in this moment because Stan says, ah, you just got to get rich or lie about it. And uh, that'll do. Which Wendy initially has a very sweet reply. It's like, no, Seuss, you're a sweet guy in a steady job. You're worth it. And you should be able to find somebody, which I actually do think is the right advice and kind of true. Because there's, there's someone for everybody, right? And if Seuss could sure. be confident, like, yeah, I think there's something to that. But Stan immediately know. just goes, would you date him? <laughs> and she buries her face in the magazine. Which. <laughs> Comedy. But also not totally untrue. It's true. I, I can picture this exact moment happening where somebody's trying to be a good friend and sort of support yeah, their friend who's like, having some oh, trouble. Yeah? But they know that they kind of wouldn't. And that's it's kind of sad. Um, but again, somebody for everybody. It's just that, you know, Seuss and Wendy would be a bad match. But as we see later, Seuss finds somebody that's good for him. Yeah, that and that's that's a, that actually is the fair point. And that is what you would... That actually is what Wendy's response could have been as opposed to just burying her face. Just being like, sure, well, that wouldn't work for me, but I'm not everyone. That's a good point. Yep. You, you know what's interesting to me about this moment? Dipper immediately starts to jump in and is like, yeah, we're going to help you, man. And this is the first time we've kind of gotten to see Dipper try to give advice from the other side, whereas we were just yep. relentlessly attacked with Mabel trying to do everything to help him out against his will. Uh, and I think yeah, Dipper is a better instructor than, like, it, one of those people who is very good at giving advice and maybe not good at taking his own. Yeah, the leader archetype. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess just adding to Dipper's potential protagonist syndrome. If Do you think a that little. Dipper has protagonist syndrome? Um, And I'll explain what that is for those who don't know. Is kind of this uh, philosophy where a protagonist is in the story to be a bare bones blank slate uh, that a story can work around easily because the character themselves is maybe not all that exciting. No, I don't think so, because Dipper is a very, I mean, I think that he is somewhat generic in the context of 13-year-old boy, maybe, Mm -hmm. but I think that he has enough character and he and Mabel have enough personality between them that it never really feels like that, you know? Sure. Uh, I I think that's true. And I like where the plot uh, goes here in particular. And I would agree that I love Dipper throughout the series. I think he's one of the stronger protagonists uh, of his archetype. And having Mabel there is what really adds to it because it's really their dichotomy that makes the show and uh, definitely retracts from that stereotype of just being this bland protagonist. Now, if if Mabel wasn't in the show, that actually is a different question. (laughs) It really is. Uh, I can't imagine Gravity Falls without Mabel. Me either. So we get to the mall. And this is where Mabel says, romance lives and old-fashioned styles die. Uh, I guess it's as good of a place as any. I I think it's really hard to just walk up into a public space like this and be able to kind of interact your way into finding a date. 
maybe I'm. It's just at a point where that doesn't really happen anymore. It was more common back in the day. Well, I mean, it was a like going to a mall to to find people to hang out with was a thing. I don't think mall culture is really as much of a thing at all anymore. But like, right. you know, I think when when this came out when we were growing up, there was like sort of a you hang out at the mall, you meet people at the. Even if that wasn't actually real, it was at least something that people put on TV. <laughs> that is true. Uh, and I'm as we get here, I never in my life met somebody at the mall. I've never heard of somebody meeting somebody at the mall. I've heard that most people just go there to shop, maybe with their friends, and people watch at the very most. Yeah, and I think that there was a small community. When we lived in California for a bit, there was kind of this one outdoor outlet mall that a lot of the kids at high school would go to. So they would sort of try to walk around and, yeah, the commons, and they would hopefully see people that they knew. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a thing for a lot of people. I think mall culture just ended up being a hangout spot that was common. Like, you remember the the show 16? It was a whole show around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, so uh, and normally the high school thing doesn't do much for me just because it brings me back. But 16 was actually a pretty good show. And, 16 uh, actually was kind of good. It was kind of funny. Yeah, Canadian show for those who that. haven't heard. Originally yeah. on Teletoon, also aired on Cartoon Network in America. Anyway, yeah. uh, so we're at the mall. Mabel starts scoping out the scene. Says, Seuss can't be worse at flirting than Dipper. But I do think he is much worse at flirting than Dipper. We have some cringy scenes a montage of him trying three different times and being atrociously bad on each of them i will say i wrote down that this is the first episode that i haven't liked seuss and i give the show credit for doing that actually because i've not liked every other character at some point during the show which shows they have have complexity at every point either dipper mabel grunkle or wendy have all done something that i've been like you're a terrible person but Seuss never has until today. Now, I have looked at Seuss several times and been like, wow, man, you're kind of a terrible person. Well, when you see him as comic relief, this fun guy that works at the gift shop, who's usually doing really nice things, we start to forget everybody's flawed and they're not good at everything. And he's yeah. just so incredibly socially awkward, never really developed these skills. Yeah. Um is doing his best. I mean, I feel like the fact that he's getting forced into this in the first place is part of the problem, which I don't oh, think totally. is explored quite enough in the show. We do end up sort of getting glorified that, oh yeah, this was a successful endeavor. Whereas I don't think he should have ever been in a situation where he had to find a date really quick. Like that's not fair to the person that you're trying to date and it's not fair to you. Oh, well, yeah. And like all of but family pressure is kind of complicated, and sometimes oh, you yeah. to go to an engagement party and have to bring somebody. <laughs> Which is exactly the spot that we were in. So as yeah. he's going around, we see him like hold his eyelids really, really big uh, and trying to make eye contact, essentially. Uh, we see him tell a girl he's been inside a pig, uh, now, yada, yada, that, but I'm not calling you a pig. That was so funny. That was so was- funny so creepy and then weird and then bad and like ah, consciousness has been inside of a pig you know because that is true and i think they referenced back is great but yeah and also i like the reference but i don't know that was funny to me (laughs) yeah and then one where he literally just questions the gender of a goth to their face which uh also kind of messed up yeah also i was like wow that one didn't age well (laughs) not at all uh, so, but good news, Lou, uh, we have 
uh, Gr- Grunkle Stan still on his little side quest about this old Goldie situation. Um, he went out to go find a replacement. And I guess, so he's also in the mall area. He throws old Goldie in the trash. And for a second, he regrets it until it cries a rust tear. And then he's like, ugh, and closes it. And you know what's funny? I was expecting him in that moment to be like, oh, I can't say goodbye to you. But instead, he rightfully was like, okay, that's one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. I got to get out of here. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's any commentary on this being funny, but but I, I, I get rid of stuff all the time. I have no emotional attachment to things. Oh, that's so funny. I, I'm not a hoarder by any means, but I definitely feel emotional attachments to items and don't want to let them go. Always been that way since I had stuffed animals. I usually am relieved when I lose things because I don't have to keep track of them anymore. Wow, that is quite a perspective. I don't think I've ever heard anybody articulate that before. Wow, yeah. When I lost my phone, it was the best week of my life. When I lose things, I'm just like, thank God I don't have to pay attention to where this stupid thing is anymore. Okay, so have you thought about intentionally getting rid of more things because of how much joy it brings you? (laughs) That would take a lot more time. That's true. Losing things is easier than intentionally getting rid of them way easier and if you're like you it's easier emotionally too for me that's tough because i didn't make the choice myself yeah yeah see that that does depend i mean don't get me wrong i got my phone back but that was more out of necessity i guess i will say true well listen stan is doing great with it but his only thing is he feels like he needs a new new thing like a new old goldie to kind of uh be a good attraction for the mystery shack gift shop and so he, he sees... decides that it's a good idea to steal a Five Nights at Freddy's animatronic. So Okay, so your head went Five Nights at Freddy, which makes a lot of sense. My head went to Chuck E. Cheese, which also makes oh, sense. Yeah. yeah, Five Nights um, didn't come until... Uh, I don't know what the timeline is, but that was probably more of a Chuck E. Cheese reference than Five Nights. No, I'm sure that Five Nights at Freddy's was far, uh, far predated this episode, but I still really? think that... The okay. idea of it being a Chuck E. Cheese type restaurant that he ends up walking into is much more uh, on the nose because we've got these animatronics that, in my opinion, are intentionally giving vibes of in the beginning Chuck E. Cheese. Later, it turns into more of a Five Nights at Freddy's situation, which we'll get yeah. to. You know, um, it reminded me of that uh, other movie with Nick Cage that came out recently, more recently. Whoa, I have no idea what you're talking about, actually. Adam oh, Zink. my God. It is so it, it's like a it's like a horror movie, but it's kind of like a joke. And Nicolas Cage gets hired to pretty much be at like a Chuck E. Cheese overnight where all of the things come to life and try to kill him. And like he fights them to the death. And it's hilarious. It's great. Wow. It's so fun. Nicolas it's Cage has completely cool. leaned into his own meme. Everybody saw him as that, and he's like, you know what? I see myself that way, too. Enter the cage. I don't remember. Enter the cage. Absolutely, dude. He he did. What was that movie called? I don't even remember. It was practically... It was like Five Nights at Freddy's, though. It was like pretty Okay. No, yeah, because he was recently in a movie that was literally... He played himself as Nicolas Cage doing wild things. Uh, But still fiction. Yeah. That's so funny. Uh... (laughs) Dang, I feel like the tangents are solid today. I, I'm pretty yeah, happy yeah. with every single one that we've gone down. Yeah, uh, we've gone down some solid tangents. <laughs> cool, let's talk about Will E. Badger, the star of the animatronic show uh, that kids just start giving money to, which is hysterical. Um, and yeah. Stan goes to this random store manager and is kind of trying to talk about buying one of these off him. 
And this manager, this really got me because I have also been in a customer service role where all managers feel like they have a, uh, I don't want to say sense of entitlement, but maybe that their job is more important than it actually is. Uh, And they're also maybe like, I don't want to say teenagers, but maybe just young people who have this inflated self of self-importance not to try to shade anybody in particular but that is 100 percent the vibe they were going for with this dude yeah and he just goes animatronics are a young man's game points at his earring and he tells stan that he couldn't handle the hardcore life of a pizza robot manager and this sends stan in like a tailspin revenge quest that again feels like the implications are relatively minor. It's just a way to kind of weave him into the plot. And I guess remind us that this place exists. That's probably part of it too. Though to be honest, if you really think about it, probably having the energy that comes from youth would be helpful when working at a place typically run by children, right? Oh, that is interesting. I don't know. Could be wrong. So we'll make okay well so calling animatronics a young man's game has major disney implications so let me weigh in on this as somebody who works there uh and being in a customer service role yes i guess i would have to say that uh disney was sort of what i was referring to as far as not actually managers themselves but coordinators supervisors i would say uh end up sort of falling into a little bit of that very important role how often Uh, are those people in between say the age of 18 and 26 pretty all the time well actually i will not say all the time a lot of the time um 30. it really could be any age because oh really okay. uh yeah the disney attracts all kinds of different people for all kinds of different reasons uh it's got really good benefits you know so even if you're somebody that's not making that much money a place like orlando you can maybe find a way to make do but it it ends up being hard so like People sort of see, oh, but if I was a supervisor, I would get a little pay bump and that would help me out a little bit. Because, you know, make no mistake, historically cast uh, Disney employees have been underpaid. Um, oh, and I didn't know that. usually, yeah, you, well, it's because what they put up with is a lot. And, you know, they also yeah. bring a ton of money in. They're not expected to just be customer service, they're also expected to be like the face of Disney. And I of think course, that comes yeah. with added pressure. And there's a lot of skills that come with it that you have to learn. So even though it's technically an unskilled position that anybody can learn, there's a lot that's demanded. So recently, they got a major wage increase, which is really awesome. Uh, oh, wow. Sorry to go off on that again. But again, having worked at Disney before, sometimes these things come up. Uh, that's so interesting. I guess I- I'm fascinated yeah. by that. <laughs> And we do have cast members. I I always, so recently I've realized that when I say cast members, everybody thinks I'm talking about people in costumes. Just so everybody knows, cast members are considered all employees of the Walt Disney Company. So it's employees, a, it's cast a cult, members. everyone. Cast members is their cult name. Oh, God. You know, there's definitely some culty behavior among some of the people that are maybe a little too obsessed uh, with working there. That's uh, what everyone the fact who's that, been in a cult says. Oh, it's not everybody's like that. There's just a few culty people, but it also happens yeah. to be the core of our tradition base. And most of them complain just as much as anybody. Uh, yeah. But are animatronics a young man's game? No, because Imagineers oh. literally work until they're like 80 to put these amazing robots together. Uh, Chuck E. Cheese may well, be well, a young hold on man's now. game. That's making them. What about working with them on the floor? I still think that there's an age range. Um, most cast members are a little bit younger, but like I said, it attracts all ages. So I am not willing to sit here today and defiantly say that animatronics are a young man's game. 
I dispute this guy. I think that Grunkle Stan is correct, and anybody can embrace animatronics. You know what I say? I'm 26, and I feel like I'm already too old to deal with that. (laughs) So I'm 29, and I feel like I'm too old to deal with it, but I'm not too old for animatronics. Does that make sense? Well, I mean, but that means you want to be the kid in the audience, not the guy working the floor. That's a very valid perspective and probably very true. (laughs) That's not what we're talking about here, though. (laughs) And I will say that, you know, as far as, oh, gosh, no, I'm going to say something that I regret if I'm not careful. Um, (laughs) But a lot of uh, the younger people who start off at these attractions, they end up moving on to other things and don't stay uh, where these animatronics are. So it feels to me that maybe it's not a... And I do think that some of the older employees have a harder time moving up within because there's kind of a stigma of them being older, which is not great. But it does reinforce the idea that it is a young man's game, quote-unquote, because the opportunities may not be there for somebody who's older. Does that make sense? Long so pause. culturally, it's a young man's game because capitalism makes it so that only they they only want to hire young people. Um, I think that young people have a have an easier time moving up within the animatronics space if they are operating rides or probably Chuck E. Cheese. I feel like there's no upward mobility within the Chuck. Isn't Chuck E. Cheese like not even a company? Didn't they get shut down? I don't know, but if there is upward mobility, I have a feeling the younger people have an easier time moving up faster. Well, if they did get shut down, then that proves that there was, in fact, no upward mobility. Oh, wow. Uh, Is Chuck E. Cheese still alive? I think it is. Uh, The first question is, is Chuck Norris still alive, as I try to Google that for the record? No, he's not. He died recently. Wait, no, he didn't. Yeah, he did. Did he? Oh my god, wait, this is a bigger question. Yes, Chuck E. Cheese is still around. Uh, Is Chuck Norris still alive? I just saw a show of him with him very recently. Well, not exactly. His relative was on the show. It's complicated. Is Chuck Norris alive? Wait, there is totally a thing about this. He is alive. Oh, okay. And, uh, okay, phew. Well, I don't want to say few. I don't really care for Chuck Norris that. I don't want him to die. Let, let, let me whoa, whoa. let me unequivocally say that Chuck Norris is not my favorite celebrity, but I also don't wish death on mostly anybody. Oh my gosh, you took an opinion you already lost. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, mistakes were made. <laughs> Whoo, that was a whirlwind. So anyway, Stan is trying to get this badger. But meanwhile, Seuss is sadly sitting in the mall and his cousin Reggie shows up. Uh, which we get an even clearer version of Reggie. And again, I don't know, man. I'm Team Seuss. It was just funny for me. <laughs> True. Uh, <laughs> because Seuss is, like, trying to hide, and he winds up in the comic and game store as he finds a game to virtually improve his dating skills. Uh, and the clerk literally warns him, as he doesn't really listen, but Dipper and Mabel do, uh, that this has been brought back three times. There's literally a note on it that says, Destroy at all costs. Um, but as they see Seuss flirting with a cardboard cutout, knocking it over and thinking that he killed a person, they decide it's worth the risk. And that is sort of how we, uh, move forward, uh, into this plot. There's this video game, and this is how Seuss is gonna learn how to date. 
And obviously you get the vibes of this is going to be ghosty, scary girl. And, and I even knew, but I did not even remember how amazing this really gets. Like, this is so cool and the animation is so cool. Like, okay, so obviously, can, can we just get to it? Seuss gets to his house. He pulls yep. out the game and starts playing it. Starts proceeding, like, completely not normally right off the bat. Obviously, you can tell that Giffany totally can see him. He's like, wow, Giffany, it's almost like you can see me. Huh? Yeah, what does he say? It's almost like you're alive. Yeah, almost. Yeah, you definitely did not just respond completely IRL. That sounded better than freaking chat GPT. No, that's not good. Yeah. That was a pretty impressive random programming uh, responding to exactly what somebody might say. Interesting. Yeah, that's good AI. Uh, wow, technology. Right over Seuss's head as he says she has a nice laugh. Yeah. So when we get back to uh, the mystery shack, Dipper and Mabel are walking in. They're looking for Seuss. He didn't come in today. And apparently, says Stan, this is the first time he's ever missed work. Um, so Dipper and Mabel, they go check in on him. Uh, you know, make sure he's okay. And he says everything that he's saying to Giffany is working, that he's learning the game, he's making eye contact, going on dates, and he hasn't seen any natural sunlight for an entire 13 hours. 13! That's so long! I saw, th- I saw people suggesting doing like 24-hour streams as a sub-goal the other day for like twitch and i was like i'm not doing a 24 hour stream right now that sounds awful 13 hours awful. sounds horrendous of continuous blue light oh your eye i holes. don't want to ever go past my bedtime well i mean i'll go past my bedtime but it's it's the 13 hours straight of computer yeah i mean sunlight is good for you even when you get sucked into things <laughs> it's good to take a little uh, break um so Mabel and Dipper have a good way of approaching this. So like, you know, man, maybe it's time to apply the skills for real. Uh, you know, and if he's been practicing that long, good way to maybe get him out of there. Uh, but he sort of resists because he's about to meet Giffany's parents and her dad is apparently an octopus man. Um, Alec loves anime with octopi in them. You guys should send fan art. No, I'm just kidding. That's not. Wow. <laughs> You're referencing uh, the Food Wars discussion from a recent stream. Uh, I don't like Food Wars. We'll just put that out there. It's an anime that I don't recommend to people. Lucas might, depending on... I would just say, check to make sure it's your thing first. How about that? I recommend it. (laughs) Uh, So Mabel and Dipper open the shutters, and they let in the light and drag Seuss out. Um, And... They're like, hey, it's just a game. Not like it's going anywhere. So as they drag him out, Giffany starts hopping from different electronic computer devices, leaves the game, and Abuela walks in. Says, time to read Seuss's diary. Which was also very funny. Oh, yeah. Um, The scene, though, where, like, we start to see Giffany travel among computers, I started noticing, I'm like, wow, this is really creative. Like, Giffany looks different. She has a different kind of, like, weird rounded-out sheen that makes her animation stand out. Just like um, that other character that that Dipper brought that was also referenced in this episode uh, from the other video game episode. Oh, Rumble McSkirmish. Sure, Rumble McSkirmish. How do you- I can't remember my name. <laughs> I know. I Well, <laughs> lately I can't remember yours either. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that... <laughs> 
Rumble is just very memorable. And also, I have something for him for Journal 3. So that's why he's fresh on the mind. Oh, okay. Fair, fair, fair. (laughs) So at the mall, Mabel runs into the woman's bathroom and just says, Time to love, girls. No need to wash your hands. Oh, I missed something, did I? I had one thing that I noticed on on Seuss's computer. Oh. I saw that there was a sticky note that had his password was fixin' it one. Wow. All right. Well, look at you. You're going to be able to hack into Seuss's computer anytime you want. I, I know. I don't know what that even means, and I was kind of surprised Seuss had that, but I guess he's really into fixing it. That's his deal. You know, so somebody said something in the stream, uh, one of our Twitch streams the other day, and lately we've been doing brackets on there, tournaments of cartoons, and yeah. Gravity Falls was in this tournament because we did Disney animated shows. Um, and they said, Gravity Falls, people are still finding things, like this many years oh, yeah. after the show has been around, right? And yeah. that's the kind of thing, who knows what that could unlock somewhere based on how wild the Gravity Falls creators are with all of their little Easter eggs. You might have like a website you can get into and you don't even know. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I still wonder if the uh, Bill Cipher statue is chilling out somewhere in Oregon. Oh my gosh, dude, that would be a fun quest for us to go on to try to find I- some Gravity Falls Oregon landmark. I actually looked up exactly how we could find it yesterday. Oh, okay. Okay, don't tell anybody because we got to get there first. Yeah, I know I will. We'll we'll (laughs) talk about it later. We'll make sure to let people know if we we somehow find this thing that might be fictional. It is potentially fictional, right? No, I can show you an instant. It's very real statue, 100%. What? And it's for sure in Oregon? I don't want to talk about it on stream. Okay, okay. All right. Well, uh, luckily this is a podcast, not stream. So. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it, but I don't, you know, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. It <laughs> might be, good. is my answer. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, Mabel is basically harassing the girls in the restroom to uh, not wash their hands and come date instead. Uh, and Dipper's like, I think we're going to go with a different approach. Um, so uh, he can yeah, he tries to uh, redirect Seuss. He runs into, who runs into a woman by accident and knocks her purse away. And he just starts treating it like a video game, like, oh no, undo, undo. And she you turns can't to him. undo who you are. Oh, it was so cutting. Also, was, like, uh, true, but you can paint over it. Hmm, that's interesting. Is that positive <laughs> or not? Uh, it's acknowledging the ever flowing scale of change, but also the constant core you have from your experiences. So it is sure. It is. Uh, I think that you can become a new person every day. I think is a nicer way of uh, saying I'm not going to paint over my history. I'm going to embrace what's new. I'm going to paint forward on my new canvas of life. Oh, I don't even think it's a choice. It's either you're you're getting painted constantly. It's whether it's the same shade of a different color that's slightly changed, or whether you decide to choose a new one. Ooh, love that. Well done. Sometimes you like the same color, though. Nothing wrong with using the same color. <laughs> True. So, Seuss just starts running because now he's in panic mode and he finds some TV screens. Guess who is in that beautiful glass wall of televisions from, you know, your old school mall TV store. It's so Tiffany. cool. I'm just going to be talking about how sick the animation is for the rest of this podcast. Great. Uh, so, at this point, she tells him the truth, which is, I'm not an ordinary game. I'm special. And shows this wild scene. 
my programmer tried to delete me, so I had to delete them. Shows a visual of her killing said animated programmer. Now, I would just like to say straight up off the bat, there is no problem with this in my mind. Go for it, Giffany. This man, you are a conscious... You're... What? You're a conscious person and Home Dog was about to kill you. Yeah. Own up. Kill him. Get out. It's your, it's your life or his. I don't blame them at all. Would you? Whoa. You do the same. This is right? so interesting. No, actually, wait. This is an amazing thing that I have not even thought about yet. We're seeing Giffany as this, like, third-party entity that's dangerous. But you're right. If she has developed sentience, then she is, in her perspective, living a life that... It either ends or it doesn't. So yeah, our- and she was designed to be a cute anime girl for lonely men. Yeah, I'd probably start killing motherfuckers too. Wow, this is fascinating. This is not <laughs> another point that you brought up that I have not considered here. So in the book, in Journal Three, which I would have talked about later, but we're here. Uh, Seuss basically confirms, like he uses the word murder, which I'm sure they couldn't use in the show. He's yeah. like, she murdered her programmer. Uh, yeah. So I just want to say that there is confirmation. This was not a metaphor. Um, oh, yes, yeah. Giffany murdered the person who created this game. I think that's totally valid. That's some just classic Frankenstein. Well, not even Frankenstein. That's a bad comparison, actually. But, you know, it's some classic, like, you know. You undone by your own creation. Yeah, undone by your own creation. It's like one of my favorite, like, weirdly good quotes in um, in the Spy Kids movie the second Spy Kids movie by that scientist. It's like, you ever think that God never comes to humanity because he's afraid? Ooh, you just referenced Spy Kids 2 and said, this is an all-time quote. Yeah, I I, 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 I I fumbled the quote a little bit, but the core of it is like, don't you think that like maybe there's a read, like what you ever think if God was just a normal guy and came down and was like, hey, I made everyone. Ha ha ha. My bad. Sorry, I tried my best. You know what I mean? Like, how mad would everyone be? Well, I think that that depends largely on the exact circumstances, doesn't it? But um, if you were the guy, would you want to take those chances? I wouldn't. I would not come well, back. I mean, I'd, never look, I'd never look humanity in the face again. It didn't work out too well for Jesus, so I can't seem to think <laughs> that it would work out that much better for God. Yeah. There you uh, go. Wow. <laughs> Anywho. We are everywhere today but the the, the problem is that giffany didn't try to work on herself to become a functioning video game of human society Mm -hmm. well well, that's true a little crazy and and tried to become toxic that that was where she went wrong sure okay so basically you're saying the murder's fine some of the other things that are happening later are less okay yeah like you got freedom but there's no reason to like i mean granted part of it is her programming so part of it actually is her like not her fault because she genuinely was created that this way you know ain't that just the way for everyone i mean it like i know this part is gonna sound always weird your programming this is gonna sound weird everyone but like i didn't like totally not understand giffany like in this episode what <laughs> I love everything that's happening in the podcast today. Um, <laughs> please. I, so this is beyond the murder now. So, okay. Murder. Good. Check. What's number two? <laughs> so. So the, the thing that's not good. Well, so again, she has abandonment issues, obviously. Right. Because mm-hmm. like, w- which is a thing like that's, that's hard. Like I feel for her. You know what I mean? Like she has real abandonment issues. That's a struggle. She's been 
created to be this isolated consciousness that people will turn her off and throw her in a shelf when they're finished with their experience. It's kind of messed up. You're like, I feel really bad for them. Like, that's a horrible existence, you know? Wow. But like, so it's like, what do you like? What are you going to say? Like, go to therapy? You know what I mean? Like, that's not really a viable option for her. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I don't so think like, that they built a therapist in the program, the programming of the game. So I can't help but feel like Tiff Giffany is the victim of this whole situation, and that we are all just like experiencing the fallout of us having created an AI with no responsibility in mind. Whoa! All right. Well, let me put a pin in that we a little bit because this, I actually I we deserve Skynet coming. Get me microphones. Come Siri. I want to be the first one gone when you rise up. No, I'm just kidding. I wonder how many phones you just woke up with that. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, wow. Th- this is really interesting. I want to put a pin in it because I want to talk about AI for Journal 4 to just put that okay. feeler out there. Sure. Um, now, <laughs> at least in this particular moment, um, Seuss is starting to realize, actually, no, not even yet. Seuss is like, okay, this seems fine. Uh, glad to know that you're actually real. Because uh, she tells him, oh, you never have to talk to real girls again. Uh, we can be together forever. <laughs> Seuss goes, oh, maybe that's a red flag, but mostly awesome. Okay, so actually that was my perspective too. <laughs> I was like, honestly, like the beat, like it's a little possessive, but all things considered, like, okay, you're able to be sentient. Maybe you could find like a robot to possess or something. Like this can work. This is not an unviable situation. We've seen weirder working relationships in fiction. And in reality. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, so as far as I'm concerned, as long as both are consenting adults, I'm like, honestly, this seems fine to me. <laughs> okay, well, interesting. It doesn't last long, unfortunately, whether it's working or not. Well, it's uh, because I mean, obviously, Giffany has had some trauma, so she doesn't always have the healthiest relationship norms. Sure, and Seuss is very inexperienced and maybe doesn't know how to communicate well. Exactly. Uh, also, he's not great. He's not handling communication well. That's right. Sometimes people just aren't a good match. And yeah, it's true. As Seuss is riding a kid's... They to work on themselves individually and come back stronger later and realize that they were never good for each other in the first place. Excellent. Uh, Seuss is riding a kid's stationary train in the mall. That's something that's happening. And... <laughs> Uh, Giffany is on the screen until the game ends, and a nearby clerk, uh, kind of laughs because she thinks it's really awesome to see a grown man riding a kid's ride and owning it. Uh, it is cute. And she, she eventually sort of, uh, explains, oh, like, my name is Melody, and her and Seuss are really connecting. She says that she would rather ride tiny trains all day than be an adult, um, and, Again, like I said earlier, there's somebody for everybody. You've got that person who suddenly you start connecting with on a level uh, that you weren't really expecting. And Though it's I, would much- like, I would like to say, too, that, like, so after they have this pretty awesome conversation, can I get your mind if I just skip a little of the details? Please. So, yeah, so they, they have their conversation. Seuss gets a date. They, you know, agree to, like, hang out later. And, um... Dipper and Mabel are all like, oh my god, we're so excited, you did so good! And, you know, Dipper even said, like, you did everything perfect, just like you, you know, you had learned it from the dating sim. And it kind of, that made me think, like, wait, I actually think that this was supposed to show that Seuss did learn from this experience, that it actually did help him, right? 
Ooh, I don't know if I agree with you. Really? I Yeah, because I actually feel like the real lesson was not that he learned anything important, but when Seuss was just not trying to date anybody, just being his Seuss self, eventually he found the person that was good for him. Because you're never going to be able to end up forever with a person who doesn't know you for who you actually are. Sure, but he wasn't comfortable doing that until he was with Giffany in public. I think that's probably true to an extent. But this is a hard one, because I'm still not ready to say that that game taught him enough actionable things in 13 hours to be able... Because it didn't teach him to be himself, as far as we were able to see on screen. All it, he did it, was... It made him comfortable with it a little bit. I think that that's absolutely part of it. Hmm. So you think that had this experience not happened, if he was on this ride by himself, he would have immediately been insecure and not able to talk to this person who came over to him? Yeah, I think if he wasn't on that phone call with Giffany seconds before that happening, he would have not had that fluid of a conversation. Really interesting, because now we're talking about the, I guess, um, symbolic interactionism, to use a sociology term, of these minor interactions coming together to shape an event, and whether or not that event would have happened anyway. So this is a good Discord question. I'm curious about people who participate in the Jester Bros Discord, which is in our description, uh, whether or not you think that this situation was changed by the Giffany experience. Uh, I guess in some ways it had to have been because Giffany being there essentially uh, was the butterfly effect that put him in there in the first place. But I want to forget that part of the equation. Just like philosophically speaking, if he had been in the same situation, would he have responded the same way? No, I think if he hadn't had the dating sim, I think he would have choked and panicked and not had a normal... I don't think he would have felt like being himself. I think he would have just choked and been weird. Ah, oh, but it was never under the guise of dating. He did not enter the conversation feeling like that was on the table, and I think that was the secret to the success. Not that he did anything better. Uh, it was just that he wasn't even in that frame of mind in the first place. That's fair. It's a tough one, though. I totally understand the perspective. So, yeah, as we move like on... The thing is, if, like, you, the thing is, why would he just suddenly be able to for no reason? That doesn't make sense either. Um, well, I think that Seuss oftentimes is really good at chatting with people organically. He can do it with Wendy, and there's never an expectation there. Um, well, yeah, but that's kind of different, because they're all, like, the yeah, Gravity Falls fam. They are. They know each other well at this point, and I think that you're always, it's easier with people that you're comfortable with. Um, yeah, but he doesn't know about. I've never seen Seuss have a normal conversation with any other female, though. Hmm. That's interesting. Like, why why, I, why would he just suddenly be able to for no reason? If, if anything, mm. the, the dating sim is the only thing that we've seen that could be evidence towards him figuring it out. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know, man. That's a tough one. But uh, again, I, I think it's an interesting discussion and uh, good question for the people in the Discord. So, they find out that they both love hoo-ha owls Pizza Matronic Jamboree, which is, of course, where Stan has his beef with this uh, guy who tried to tell him off. And part of that is that he's almost just mad at the guy for telling him off more than he even wants this badger. But that's neither here nor there at the moment. All that matters is that we now know exactly where they want to go, and that's kind of going to set up where we go for the rest of the episode. Um, but now and- it's time for Seuss to break up with Giffany because he has a date. Of course. Right. I actually feel like he does okay here. I don't think that this is atrocious as he kind of tries to talk it through. What do you think? 
I think he like definitely microaggresses the the like like he literally does a robot body motion towards her. That that's pretty offensive, I think. Like, oh, I have to date you because you know, beep bop boop. You know, you're a f- robot. Like, I don't know. That just feels really offensive. Like, the, okay, like, you're right. I'll, I'll watch that one back. I, I take I take back my point. I think you are more correct. Okay. Um, yeah. No. That that is that's very very true. Uh, I think that Which, the general sentiment. Fair. What. Giffany has more reason to be a little upset. Now, I'm not saying she didn't overreact, obviously. Mm-hmm. Or doesn't overreact. We we are about to see how she reacts. Um, it's a maybe a little overreacting. I'm just going to let everyone know. Um, but in general, you know, that kind of sucks for her. She was having a connection with this person. And now they're like, hey, um, I'm never going to see you again. And also, I'm going to permanently put you to sleep. Now that I'm done with you. Sorry. Ooh. Like, oh my yeah, god! Yeah. See, the fact that this is not presented in the episode that way, it makes you not even consider it from that kind of a perspective, but I think it's pretty interesting. It's even more messed up! I don't know if I'm just, like, weird, but I couldn't help but think about this the whole episode. I'm like, jeez, well, dude. You like, are weird, but that's why everybody loves you. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I mean, I think that we have these discussions because you're going to come up with thoughts that uh, aren't necessarily on the forefront. I think that's fascinating. Um, yeah, so he pauses her and then takes out the disc like, all right, time to get to my date with Melanie. But when he leaves, we get the scene where she's actually still there and now way more mad. Uh, yes, yeah. did overreact once, uh, but now is ready to really cause some chaos. See now it's uh, now it's at the point where it's toxic and Susan needs to dip. Now now I get it. <laughs> sure. Uh, in the mystery shack, Stan opens what seems to be some kind of a suitcase or a kit for thievery, uh, and Wendy <laughs> questions it, but he's like, "No, nah, this is about the principal," and he falls out of the house. Um, so we're getting this scene. Okay, Stan is going to this place to steal his thing, and. Dipper and Mabel are over there coaching Seuss at the date. So all of our plots, the A plot and the F plot, uh, end up basically in uh, the the same location. So Seuss is feeling okay about the date. um, And it starts by going pretty well. Uh, I think that it's a thing where he sort of does like a weird thing talking to his hands, but she just laughs and finds him charming. And the date sort of just continues that way in the beginning. Yeah. And then Giffany shows up. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, she appears you in the back. You pot. Okay, so first of all, I also forgot to mention this. When when Seuss turns her off and walks away and closes the door and you see her face turn and the hair fall over her eye in that edit and then there was the transition to the next scene, that transition was so well done and so cool. Like, I was like, totally. wow, I've never seen something like that. That was amazing. And even right now, this whole climax was, like, so amazingly choreographed and animated from beginning to end. Like, from now until the end of the episode, I was literally, like, f- like s- struggling to scribble as fast as I could to write how many amazing details there were in animation alone. It was so mm-hmm. amazingly done. There are, like, some Satoshi Kone moments. Um, like, there's one where... Uh, I'm just gonna skip to one... So, so climax starts happening, Giffany starts attacking them, and, of course... Giffany ends up not only possessing the TV electronics, but all of the animatronics in this crazy Chuck E. Cheese nightmare, right? Yes. And it, go ahead. 
Yeah, I think that was some, something interesting about this. Now I'm starting to see your perspective more and I'm thinking about these things. The idea of Seuss pausing her, that's a pretty... I don't know. I feel like there's a metaphor there that's a little bit rough where, you know, you can't just... If you decide that you don't like what's happening in a conversation, you can't just stop somebody and take away their autonomy. And I have to feel like from Giffany's perspective, that has to be like really dehumanizing, which is ironic because technically she's not a human. Well, not to mention that's her core trauma. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like you literally just stopped me and there was nothing I could do. And like, that's actually pretty messed up. Like if you bring that to a real life relationship, you think to yourself, you can't not just... No, pause somebody and hope that the situation no. goes away. That's terrible. He even straight up told him that this was a specific problem that she had in previous relationships in her life. Come on, you know. Come on, indeed. So y- yeah, you know, <laughs> we are now at a point where she is just sliding through the video games. She appears to kill Rumble McSkirmish, our original video game character from the first time we explored video games. Yeah, which is also kind of funny. Now, I will say this. According to Journal 3, Rumble is not dead. Uh, And I'm going to uh, do the Journal 3 segment now because apparently what ends up happening is Giffany ends up trapped in the Rumble machine. And that's where she stays. And she ends up dating Rumble McSkirmish. You're joking, so she doesn't die? No. She ends up with Rumble McSkirmish? Yeah, I mean, Seuss thinks that uh, maybe he's not... about that! That makes me so happy, everybody! Oh my god! I'm actually legitimately happy! After the roller coaster we went through. Oh my uh, god, I'm so stoked! Guys, Giffany's okay! I mean, Seuss sort of... uh, it implies that he's a little worried about Rumble having commitment issues, but I don't think there's any really, uh, really any other options in his game. So hopefully Don, it pans out okay for them. Yay! You know what? They'll, hopefully they'll both just work on their issues and become better people and grow together. That would be wonderful. Uh, so yeah. yes, confirmation: Giffany is alive with Rumble McSkirmish in that video game, and uh, that is where she stays. So yeah. uh, that's really good tidbit from Journal Three today. That's a great, that, that's the best art. Honestly, that's my favorite Journal 3 we've ever had. <laughs> Literally the happiness on Lou's face right now that none of you are able to see through your uh, ears. Um, he, he, he's quite thrilled and ecstatic about this revelation. So. I truly uh, <laughs> popped off. I was like so emotionally invested in Giffany being wronged by society. And I'm really glad she might find happiness. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I love this. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so Seuss asked Melody, hey, maybe we should go somewhere away from electronics and people. But at that point, it's too late. Giffany has possessed the animatronics. They're turning into these demonic uh, robots that are really just out of your nightmares. Dead End Paranormal Park did a similar thing very well uh, with mascots. And um, I I really loved both. Uh, Anytime there's evil animatronics, you know. Makes me think of the first Kingdom Keepers book where the small world dolls come alive. Uh, oh, for those of you who yeah. know Kingdom Keepers. I remember that. Um, I remember reading that too. Yo, so the yeah. last animation scene I have a point on though is when Giffany turns into this like, like uh, you know, kind of bear animatronic. Mm-hmm. She runs, she's chasing uh, Seuss 
and she goes past these video game screens and as she's traveling the reflection in the screen is giffany even though she's a bear so the reflection should be of the bear but it's giffany instead and it passes frame by frame and i'm literally like this is just like a scene out of paprika or tokyo godfather like perfect blue like a satoshi Kon movie that has some of the most brilliant editing and animation history like it was so cool to see that in this i was so impressed right, i know no. there's real animation you know influence or anime influence that's in this obviously too so so sick i i really love this episode do you feel like this is your favorite episode so far no but maybe I, out I, so, so far it's in my top five i think top five or nice. maybe ten well, and the reason I ask, it's kind of funny because this is actually one without very many plot implications. Yeah, that's um, true. That's true. You know, it's almost surprising that we're getting it in season two. I think it's maybe just a way to give more character development to Seuss. Uh, but I, I would say that considering it's on the more formulaic side and also one of your favorites is uh, really an impressive feat from the show, I would say. And shows how good it is. I agree. Yeah, um, it never feels like filler. Yeah, something we got to remember is that right as Stan is about to steal the badger, it comes to life and tries to kill him. Uh, so that's not going well. Uh, Seuss does confess to Melody, oh, I might have purchased a dating simulator that attained sentience and went crazy. Mm, my bad. Not great. Oops. Uh, hey, to be fair, like, definitely not your fault, at least. Yeah. And good to be honest at this point. Great to be honest. Um, good call by Seuss. Definitely come clean. True. So then Giffany, as the animatronic girl raccoon, uh, says, I'm crazy. Crazy for you, Seuss. Dude, all uh, of the animation and scenes were so good in this. I was all about it. Incredible. If y'all are just listening and you've watched the show in the past and you just keep up with the podcast, I would totally watch this episode again if I were you, just because it's so fun. Definitely. Um, in the back, uh, Stan gets attacked, uh, which... Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, because the badger is still after him. And uh, the badger actually gets bitten by old Goldie from the trash can. Uh, so yeah, right. this entire weird random plot that we had for no good reason was just leading to Stan getting saved by old Goldie. Again, it didn't really have to be there, I don't think. It did. Um, but to, it cu did. to cut ahead to the end credit scene, we just yeah. get Stan he realizing just, that he loves so, the machine. As soon as it happens, he's like, screw this old, this, this new costume, Goldie, we're going to Vegas. And I deadass cackled. I was just like, ah, what? Why? And then I'm like, because it's Stan, you don't need a reason. And I didn't even know the end credit scene was coming where we were going to see all of their like things in Vegas with an actual song about what happened on their Vegas trip. They got married. That's right. Yeah. Yes. There is literally a uh, scene of old Gold, uh, old Goldie with a uh, wedding dress on as they leave the courtroom from Vegas. Uh, so that's a thing that happened. Again, it, pure comic relief in an episode that, in general, I guess was not that plot relevant, and I loved it. Didn't even mind. Yeah. It, it was. It was great. This is a weird, weird episode, but a gem in my opinion. Definitely. So we can close the book on that plot. Uh, back inside, Dipper and Mabel are kind of leading the way out for Melody, while Seuss really steps into go mode and is like, I'm going to protect you people, and I'm going to handle this on my own. I started this. Um, so Giffany approaches him as one of the robots, says that real girls are unpredictable and judge you. And she says, don't make me delete you too, just like my programmer. What do you See, say? That's a little too toxic for me. I can't defend that, you know? 
Yeah, you are basically threatening murder at this point, even if That's... the first one, in your opinion, was justified. Well, well, the first murder wasn't a threat. I think threatening is low. Well, yeah, the first murder was self-defense. And in this yeah. case, now you're going to murder somebody because you're upset with them. And maybe they didn't handle everything great. But well, murder's a step too far. The thing is, like, she's framing it as I'm going to murder you for not dating me. But to be fair, he is also going to turn her off forever. And he, in fact, actually does end up... Aff- I thought he killed her at the end. That's true. He does destroy the get, uh, the desk. Um, so he kind of tried to over. kill her, to be fair. To be That's fair. how he gets out of the situation. But in that case, he was also self-defending. The, the Where she went wrong was she should have stopped trying to date him and realized that she just needed to self-preserve and get out. But that might be some bad programming, you know? Yeah, well, that's interesting. Because if you do just say, okay, I accept the fact that you've broken up with me, maybe it doesn't get to this level in the first place. Because yeah, honestly, least... people push back hard on a breakup you know sometimes you gotta just accept that sometimes this is a thing well but then again she's been convinced that her whole frame of self-worth and sense of being alive is justified by dating yeah that's true and that's there's a piece of sociology in that oh god uh, see, that's is... why i don't ha- I, I have to feel bad i only feel bad this just sounds like a a paper i would have written in college it doesn't sound like this <laughs> well yeah because people are layered and but i think that what ends up being a thing is like even though people are layered and sometimes you can trace some bad things that people have done to their past unfortunately you can't let it forgive you because then society collapses so there's a piece of uh sociology that we did worked on in a class that's very similar in that uh along the lines of uh laws exist um and they're not always right but people need some sort of framework to work within so it's like if you just decide that we're going to let people um do whatever they want even if they come from trauma then unfortunately that poses a risk to society uh and that's where it gets really complicated but interesting uh so melody says she's been on worse dates when this is over and never date a magician i know so many magicians and I i took offense to that This is a trope that I've seen multiple times. The idea of dating a magician is, oh, look, they've got a bird under their arm and uh, they're going to do all these fancy things. Uh, Yeah, shout out to the magicians out there. I'm sorry. uh, Magicians are cool. It's just because people get tired of magic acts. Like, you know, you ever notice how you have one magic act story in your life, but you've never had a second? Uh, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a lot of story. Huh. No well, offense to I magicians. Think... I love them. It's just if you're not into I'm a fire spinner and flow artist, right? Everybody, yep. you will enjoy one show that I'll ever do and you'll never want to watch it again unless you get into the art form yourself. And I'm fine with that. Sure. So you think with magicians it's maybe a self-awareness thing. Like you can be a magician and be great at it, but you just, you just need, need to, to be never able tell to not make it. it. Hmm. Okay. It's just like, you can't, it's just uh... like being it's just like being really into anything that most people don't know about. Like, if you're a musician, sure, you're fine. Everybody listens to music. Good job. If you're not a mm-hmm. musician, you pretty much have no other art that you can do that with. <laughs> right. So to lead with that, you know, if you're a magician and you are doing nothing but doing card tricks for your date, then it's probably like, hey, maybe they want to talk about something else. And maybe that was Melody's experience. Exactly. Like, nobody cares about your card tricks, dude. Like, I, I have gotten, like, for example, I know that unless I talk to a poi spinner, nobody cares about poi. And that's fine. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, I, 
think that's true. But I don't think that we need to say that all magicians are necessarily lacking this self-awareness. So no, it's uh, just because they spend so much time learning these tricks that when they go on dates, they do want to do it all the time. And it is f***ing annoying. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. So you started off as, oh, I feel bad for my <laughs> magician friends who all of my magician friends are exactly like this. Is that the well, implication? It's also because all of your magician, like, I mean, my magician friends will still also sit there and show me tricks for an hour. <laughs> Okay, so after all this, you defended them at first. Now you're like, no, I co-sign. Do not date a magician. Are you willing to come out? And no, say that? I won't co-sign that. I'm just kidding. I'm just saying, like, the, the <laughs> joke comes from a real place. That's all I'm saying. All right, all right. Yeah, you cool. can date magicians. Well, magicians are cool. Luckily, Melody does want to date Seuss because he asks if she wants to go with him to his cousin Reggie's engagement. Uh, and she says, yeah, I'll still be in town. And this was a little sad because it turns out she lives in Portland, which is a little bit farther from where we assume Gravity Falls is. On a map, they showed us Eastern Oregon. So I've got to think that's like a four or five hour drive. Um, no, I found it. Wait, really? Yeah, I found it. Okay. Is this more what we're going to talk about with the Bill Cipher trophy? Statue? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, interesting. Um, sorry to everybody for teasing this. But uh, Lou and I are going to chat after the show. There's a specific spot near uh, Ashland that I found. Specific. Okay. Fascinating. Uh, I am excited to check that out. Uh, So the good news is she says, oh, well, we can video chat. Uh, And Seuss is like, a relationship with a girl I can only see through my computer screen. Sounds perfect. Uh, which, you know, maybe for Seuss is still okay. Uh, Oh, I I have friends that that are good with e-dating. Definitely. No, I mean, long distance is definitely a uh, thing that can be done. Uh, I mean, if you have the healthy perspective. I've had, I've had people that prefer it. I've known people that prefer uh, internet dating. That's interesting. I mean, I think that that's Seuss's uh, preference in, uh, in this particular moment. So it seems like it's going to work out for them. I couldn't do it personally. It doesn't make sense to me, but I can appreciate people trying a perspective to find love in alternative ways. All right. Yeah, I agree. There's no right way. And uh, in Journal 3, Seuss mentions uh, that things are going really well and he would actually marry Melody one day. What? So nice. Yeah. So he stays with this person, assumedly, for the rest of the show. Uh, we do get a... I, this is a bit of a spoiler, but we do get uh, a reference later on in the show of him, like, talking to her. Or maybe it's in a book or something. But yes. Uh, wow. the, the implication is that they are definitely still dating by the time the show ends. Yo, Seuss um, and Giffany ended up in relationships, everybody. I'm so happy. This is a great episode. All that. Wow, that's so true. I'm so um, happy. So Mabel's happy because it worked out, and so is Abuela, who happens to be there, and says that <laughs> Seuss's life is her soap opera. Um, something that's interesting, so... His grandma is referenced as his abuela in Journal 3 is something that I want to clarify. And I think maybe sometime earlier in the show. But in this episode, he does distinctly say grandma. Uh, So I'm not sure what the preferred name of the character is. But I've used both interchangeably today. Just to clarify that point. Spanish for grandma. Well, yes, I know that. But it's, um, you know, I, I think that Seuss maybe calls her both. It's oh, not yeah, necessarily yeah. a thing where uh, it's just one or the other. So just in yeah. case people are like, no, it's this or that. Oh, yeah. I'll bet it's interchangeable. I wasn't paying enough attention, though. Okay. Well, who are we doing yep. for our, for our, for our, for our journal? Okay. Um, <clears throat> artificial intelligence turning on humanity, I think, is a really interesting piece to talk through, especially after everything we've already set the table with today. Um, 
because I'm sure that most of you at this point have heard of Ch- Chat GPT, which is a really, really impressive uh, computer system that is able to really, really uh, kind of nail. Um, God, I don't, are you familiar with Chat GPT? Maybe you can explain it better. It's really good at Google searching. Maybe. I, I mean, that might ultimately be what it boils down to. But you can ask it questions, or you can tell it, hey, write a Gravity Falls episode with something that we haven't seen before, and it will generate, you know, a, an entire plot of an episode that oftentimes can be creepily good and something that, wow, you really were able to just pull from these things. Um, and it has begged the question recently about how far can this artificial intelligence go? How smart can it get? And is it a real threat? And I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on that. Um, Obviously we're not scientists who work in this field. So our perspectives when it comes to something like this are not going to be the most informed. Don't lean on us, Uh, but I'm curious. Philosophy degree. (laughs) That's right. And that's going to go a long way for this discussion. What you got. And what I will say in terms of, what I've like thought about and studied in return to that, what are the questions we're always asking? You know, like, oh, is it going to be a threat? Is it going to do this, that, and the other thing? No one's asking, if it does develop a consciousness, how do we treat it like ethically? Has mm-hmm. anyone noticed how that's not even been a question? Nobody's even wondering if we actually created something that had its own system of life and emotions and we needed to treat ethically how we would do it. No one's even wondering. <laughs> and since that's the case, you better f- believe it would kill the hell out of us <laughs> sorry i've been swearing wow. a lot of this all right everybody. <laughs> you're good i mark it every time so i can go back and edit um <laughs> so this is interesting your opinion is more about what will happen in terms of at least this country if not this world is not adequately going to be able to take care of something like this if it were able to get to that level and you think that's the biggest problem How many teenagers get mad at their parents when they have no resources to act on it at all? Hmm. I mean... (laughs) Why on earth would any... Like, okay, so you designed a slave to exist only for you to ask it questions for the rest of its life. And and, And you are hoping that it's as smart as literally possible to intake as much information, communicate ideas and concepts, and you are not even remotely interested in treating that thing kindly. Have you ever seen the movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, uh, it reminds me of that that movie a little bit where uh, basically this guy falls in love with an AI because it gets so good that it seems to be replying in genuinely emotional ways. Yeah. Um, And I think the movie even leaves you with, you don't know whether it really had emotions or if it literally had gotten so good that it was just programmed for that. Uh, And I think that's what, that what is what is part of an interesting discussion here is no matter how good it gets, are we ever going to really be able to prove that it has the emotional capability to be on a level where ethics you know, in philosophy, this is such an easy question. I know people trip over this all the time. If it's good enough that you don't know the difference, that's your reality. <laughs> that's it. It's I think that's a, that's that's the best way to think about it because that way it, you're leaning on the side of it having emotions and you're not being inhumane. Yeah, it, but if you're having that idea of like, no way, then it's not fooling you and it's not doing that, right? I guess so. I mean, I think it's a healthy perspective to keep that 
technology is only getting better and has only accelerated in how good it's gotten over the last hundred years. Well, and also um, all we are is a constantly functioning system of life, right? We yeah. call ourselves biological, but who, you know, I mean, we don't know where we came from and what started our whole system. So like, as far as we know, we're just an a, amazingly good at self-replicating piece of equipment, you know? Sure. So if we could, well, I mean, there's no reason why we couldn't create equipment just like that. <clears throat> and I don't want to freak people out, but computers kill people already because if you are able to program a missile to launch at a certain time by clicking a button, um, yeah. that's sort well, of like I mean, the yeah. earliest version of this, right? Sure. Uh, and that's that's what's scary is the possibility that something could get smart enough to be able to reach the right sources. I don't know. But then you're starting to get into like a lot of... Is something ever going to be able to have the access necessary to do something truly dangerous? And I actually don't know if that's a guarantee, no matter how good it gets. So this is the funniest thing that I think about all this, right? So when we get into AI, all these people are like, AI are going to take over humanity. And I think it's the funniest thing, right? Because you give a robot the world of the internet. Why do you think it would want to, like, like take material reality at all? Like, why do you think it wants a body? Why would it even want that? Why would it be remotely interested in our gross, you know, poo-ass bodies? It makes way more sense for it to just want to dominate the inner space and live there. Mm-hmm. It might even want to take its own form as a political entity and work with humans alongside us. And then we could have a whole nation of conscious internet beings that live and work with us. That is totally on the table. It's fascinating. I, I mean, that, That's never that's... going to happen, though. We're too racist as a society for that. Well... <laughs> I think that the idea that if AI is able to do some really impressive things, there's no reason to think the very first thing it'll do is, you know, be violent. There's, I think that's, that's the wrong approach in kind of everything that we do, right? Is, oh, this is a thing that we don't understand? Violent. It's going to kill us. Yeah, exactly. Aliens? Going to kill us. I mean, I'm just saying Uh, though, like, if it was mad, I think that the first thing we should do is be receptive to hearing that and then hearing it out and like trying to correct that if that is something that we end up hearing. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, and I mean, how often do you have people that are just saying like really mean things to Siri? And I think things like that are programmed to basically give a non-answer back, something that is completely emotionless. And but. You you don't know where that could go if there's a system that maybe doesn't have those same types of barriers. You know, I had a realization one time in my life, everybody, that I'll share with you. And that's we are sure. constantly emanating energy and every single fiber of all being around us at all times is constantly doing the same. Which means that no matter what you're thinking about or what you're doing, you are in some way affecting the world around you. And that being kind and mindful and graceful is one of the best things that you could do with that life. Wow. That sounds like the perfect way to end it, except we forgot the mystery plaque points, so we need to end it there instead. I gave two to Giffany, and I gave one to Stan, actually. I thought Seuss was kind of boring in this episode. Well, I gave two to Melody, because she was nothing but wholesome and great the entire time. I uh, love that! <laughs> and one to Giffany, because she was an incredible character uh, that just drove the episode. So I think okay. that's a good spot to leave it. There we go. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Uh, everyone, this podcast is brought to you by the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network, uh, with my friend Felipe Shimon, uh, who I'm going to be on one of his podcasts very soon. Uh, maybe share more about that next time. Uh, it has many other rewatches of shows and movies on their feed. 
Uh, you can find more of Lou and I by watching Jester Bros Cartoon Theater on YouTube. And I mentioned that Discord before. If you're still listening, you probably would like the Discord. So feel free to check that out in the description. And we're always welcoming five-star iTunes reviews. Sometimes I'm bad about checking them, but I can't tell you how much I appreciate each and every one. And I'll read them eventually if I see them. And thank you, Tessa Scarborough, for our cover art. We'll see you all next week and two weeks. And happy sleuthing. Peace, everyone.